Welcome to Green and Gold Forever. I'm Eric Drews, joined shortly here by Matt McLean out in lacrosse. Uh, wow, that was a tough one to watch this past Sunday as the Green Bay Packers lose their season finale 37-34 to the Minnesota Vikings. And not only that, they lose the opportunity to become the number two seed in the NFC. They instead are set up for a rematch with the Minnesota Vikings this Saturday night at Lambeau Field. And the biggest thing, not only a, a tough loss for the Packers, but also the road to the Super Bowl in 2012 is going to be a little bit longer and a little bit more treacherous than it would have otherwise been had they won. So obviously we're going to have a lot to say about what that all means some of our reactions to the game, and some of our prognostications for this weekend's games and the likelihood of another Packers championship coming this way now in 2013. So I guess we'll start with a Happy New Year to everybody. And uh, we'll bring Matt in here. And Matt, just kind of one of the things that I had a big problem with this game is trying to decide a song to start the podcast with. And I knew that just from our discussions that our opinions on what happened on Sunday maybe are a little bit different. So I actually picked that song as kind of a moderate one and maybe allows them to, to go forth and, and, and push on like Rocky would. But I did have two other songs. I'm, I got one for you and then one for me. And then you want to tell me if you think this is right? Sure. Okay, this is the song that I expected you would use if you were uh, doing the podcast intro. I won't give up oh. Is that about right for for your? <laughs> yeah, it's that's pretty much perfect, probably. Okay, and then here is probably what mine would have been if I was allowed to to just be myself. In case nobody recognizes this, this is the song that plays as the Titanic is sinking. <laughs> so, obviously, I have a little bit of an overreactor, but do you think that's about accurate for my, my uh, feelings as well? Oh yeah, absolutely. I expected maybe some like heavy metal or something <laughs> like that, but yeah, that's that's pretty, pretty close, probably. No, honestly, my reaction after this game, I was I was very upset just in the manner that they lost, and it, and it was a rough one to lose, but I was very sad. It's not over, but for whatever reason, and, and we kind of had this discussion off the air, and then I'll, I'll fade out and let you kind of give your thoughts here, but it really felt like kind of whichever way you think the Packers are going to go in the playoffs, there was a, a feeling kind of of loss and finality to that Vikings loss, just that even you could hear it in the post-game remarks from the players that they all realize that they really lost a golden opportunity, and it's going to be incredibly difficult to win the Super Bowl this year. Not that they can't do it, but it's going to be much, much tougher than it would have been otherwise. And it felt like everybody, from fans and the players, everybody felt that after they lost that game by three points. Yeah, and it was kind of strange because it didn't really feel like the game started that way. It just didn't really seem like the passion was on our side. It seemed like Minnesota came out firing. They had everything to play for, but it kind of seemed like you know, conservative, just another game for the Packers until kind of the game went on and the intensity picked up. And that's that's kind of what seemed to, to really mean that much more to the Packers players. And even to me, you know, going into the game, I wasn't, um, you know, super fired up. I, you know, obviously you want to win and get a bye, but as that game went on, um, it was just so intense and it just kind of really started to feel like one we had to have. And it even more so for me, I think, it, I didn't want it to be one of those games that Vikings fans could hold on oh, to forever. Yeah. 
you know, I was thinking about that. It kind of reminded me of, like, on our side of things when the Vikings played the Cardinals in, in 2003. That's kind of like what that game was to them. Put them into the playoffs, a, you know, a big emotional win, and, and we were on the wrong side of it this time. Yeah, that doesn't seem to happen very much in no. any of our division rivalries over the past 10, 15 years even. So it is, and uh, it just, you made a good point too about how, and I felt that as well, that the harder the Vikings fought and the harder the Packers had to fight to win this game, it increased how much they needed it with every yeah. play, the urgency of having to need this game. I can't imagine what it's like in that locker room practicing this week after going through all of that, missing a chance to have a week off with this team who has had so many injuries. You still have Jordy Nelson who said he got caught from behind for the first time in his career against the Vikings. You have Randall Cobb who's out. You have Charles Woodson who you still want to get back. Clay Matthews who got knocked around a little bit. Uh, just a physical game against a running back like Adrian Peterson. You would have loved to have gotten the week off. And the harder that the Vikings played the Packers, it became more important to get that week off. And I think everybody just realized it that, wow, that, uh, this one's gonna hurt a little bit, uh, regardless of what happens in the playoffs. Yeah, you almost felt like if maybe they just didn't come to play and didn't feel like it was worth much and they lost, it would be, you know, okay, but it really felt like, especially in the second half, the Packers gave it their all and gave it their best and they still couldn't beat the Vikings, which, I don't know if you still feel this way, but I, I certainly feel like they're an inferior team to Green Bay. Yeah, I agree. So I, I guess that was kinda hard to swallow too, is knowing that we were actually out there doing everything we could, whether the play calling was maybe a little conservative or, or not good at all on defense or something like that, but it just you know, it just felt like we were given everything we had and just couldn't top Christian Ponder and the Vikings. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, which luckily he's still their quarterback, so that gives me a lot of hope on Saturday. But <laughs> we'll we'll get into that a little bit. I guess now that the first round bye is gone, I guess we can't reflect too much on it. That belongs to the San Francisco 49ers, and that's the road the Packers must take if they're going to get to the NFC Championship game now after a home game against the Minnesota Vikings. Let's break down this game a little bit. And I, I know I texted this to you during the game, and uh, I still believe it, where it felt like Mike McCarthy coached this game almost like Mike Sherman, where you just kind of feels like a little bit underestimated your opponents and, and you are never really you kind of some boneheaded mistakes and just not making proper adjustments and it ended up not being that way but that first quarter felt like 2002 all over again with that jet game where the Packers could have been a home field team another team that was incredibly beat up and desperately needed a bye week and then went into New York and got slaughtered and it just felt like he didn't have this team ready to play like you mentioned like Minnesota knew that their season was on the line. Maybe not in the same way, but a lot of ways, the Packers' championship potential was on the line in a lot of ways, and they didn't seem to play with any urgency whatsoever, and no. i got to put that on McCarthy. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. It's kind of hard to tell. I mean, you can put it on the coach, but, I mean, in terms of motivation, that's got to be on the players, too. I mean, maybe McCarthy gives a good pregame speech, that, but that only lasts about five minutes. I have to say that. Mm -hmm. I think that these players didn't quite feel the urgency coming into this game. And, uh, you know, I, I think that that's on them. I, I think McCarthy's play calling had a lot to do with kind of how the game felt in the beginning. It was so conservative. Mm -hmm. And I and I knew in the first two drives, it kind of drove me nuts a little bit. They were the exact same first two series. It was two runs on first down, a short pass to Finley on second down, and then launched down the field and complete on third down. Mm -hmm. It's like, yeah, that's not predictable at all. I mean, that's what we do every <laughs> single series. And Minnesota knew it was coming, and... Um, they stopped it pretty easily and completely shut down our offense in the first half, at least the first quarter. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, yeah, that, that you make a great point about those first two series. I mean, come on. And I I don't know. And the, and the defense, I know maybe it's overconfidence or something in, in all aspects of it, and that's what caused the slow start. But not only the offense starting out slow, and they obviously recovered, had a big second half, although, you know, you had some mistakes and, and some of the same problems we've seen all year long with, with different things. But it felt like the defense, too, like – they were almost caught off guard that they were going to run Adrian Peterson in a lot yeah. of ways. Up the middle, B.J. Raji was stuffing him. Yeah, he, he played incredible. He played great, but every single time he went outside, it felt like he got a first down. No, even if it was second and 27 or whatever it was that yeah. one time. It's unbelievable how they didn't find a new plan for this guy. And maybe they just don't have the horses, but 400 yards in two games, that's inexcusable, and the fact that they played him almost the exact same way that they right. played him in Lambeau Field, in their own building, when he's trying to get a record. I just, um, I don't know if you have any thoughts on, on if they could have even done anything. I mean, obviously he's a phenomenal player, but still. Yeah, I don't, I don't really know what you can do differently, and I I'm kind of was wondering a little bit, I almost hope not, but that they were kind of holding a little something back in case they had to play him again next week, but obviously with so much on the line, you would hope that they wouldn't do that. Yeah. Um, but you know, maybe they do have some that's still there. But you know, they were they had a lot of guys in the box and it's not like they were stopping Christian Ponder either. He had wide open guys all over the field and the only way he'll beat you is if you give it to him basically and that's exactly what they did. So I don't know how you either don't stop Peterson or at least, you know, completely shut down Ponder, one of the two. Mm-hmm. And you know, that's kinda of one thing I was thinking about after the game, it's like Peterson hardly ever scores touchdowns on the ground. Maybe like won a game. Do you almost like since you know you can't stop Peterson, do you almost just worry about shutting down Ponder in the passing game and just kind of letting Peterson have it because he has anyways. The force turnovers. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, just like maybe just only put seven guys in the box and make sure that Ponder doesn't beat you because he's the one that scored three touchdowns, not Peterson. He only had the one on the ground. Well, it's definitely a dangerous strategy, I guess, oh, but yeah, it, it could work. The problem is almost every single thing he did, it's not like he was dropping back five steps and throwing the ball. Every single thing was off play action, mm-hmm. and, and that kind of comes to a conversation that we've had privately many times and, and had after this game about some of the things that happened to them on Sunday are just what is going to happen to you when you build such a young team. There's going to be games when these guys don't play very well. Yep. And, and I felt that's, uh, especially with those young secondary guys. Yep, uh, Casey Hayward. Casey Hayward, M.D. Jennings. Um, you had uh, Jaron McMillan, I believe, was the one who had the third down penalty yep. uh, that allowed a touchdown to, to there are another four points for the Vikings, a touchdown instead of a field goal. And it seems like... They were completely fooled by basic play action. And I, I know that Adrian Peterson's a, a heck of a talent, and that's what you're keying on, but you can't bite on play action that badly that a guy like Christian Ponder can just sit back there and pick you apart and, and roll out and have wide-open guys, and if his guy's covered, a wide-open run for a first down. It just... Um, I, I guess I don't know what you can do about that. It's tough with Peterson, but it just felt like there were a lot of things that were not that complicated that were fooling the young players on the Packers' defense. Yeah, and I think you might have been referring to that Jermon Williams penalty. Was that the one that you were thinking about, that he had that uh, hands to the face? On there were down? two. There was a Jerron McMillan one in the end zone, uh, I think the drive before, on Kyle Rudolph. Okay. And then there was the Jermon Williams one on third down on the other end. Uh, the, the McMillan one, I believe, was in the third quarter. And then, of course, Jermon's was in the fourth quarter. It's not, it's not exactly like he's a seasoned veteran anyways. He, he's no, he a young played guy awful. in his own right. But, yeah, he played didn't play a very good game either. But, 
Yeah, I, I don't know. It's tough, and I feel like you're right. I feel like the players were almost there in position to make the plays. And normally, I might blame Dom Caper a lot after a game like this, but I, after this one, I really felt like it was the players. I mean, the, the linebackers were there to make tackles on Peterson. The defensive backs were in proper zones to make plays and just had bad reads. And mm-hmm. you know, I, there's probably more they could do um, in the point calling. But I, I really put this one on the players a lot more, I think, than Dom in this situation. And I think that if these players can just step up and make the plays that they're in position to do, we would have won that game easily. Yeah, you. I mean, that's, that's probably likely. I mean, maybe not easily, but, you know, you only needed a couple of plays. If, if M.D. Jennings intercepts that pass, <laughs> I mean, that yeah. completely changes everything. Uh, somebody marked, remarked on the radio about M.D. Jennings is becoming the new Darren Sharper, where he's just around when bad things happen. It might not even be his fault. But you have Darren Sharper, you think a fourth and 26 in the Terrell Owens play, and MD Jennings has got two of those this year. Uh, not necessarily his fault, but just kind of a, unfortunate for his uh, young career. I guess uh, the thing I want to talk about about this is uh, we can analyze this game. Obviously, there's going to be a lot of talk about that coming up for this next game against the Vikings once again. We talked about some of the different ways we think they can maybe change things or things they have to clean up. But the main thing I want to talk about is maybe the overall picture what does this mean to the Packers' playoff hopes? We've referenced that a couple of times so far in this podcast, but does this loss change your opinion on this team's ability to win a Super Bowl this season? You know, I'm glad you asked that, too, because you texted me after the game, and I didn't respond because I disagreed with you, and I wanted to save it for the show here, um, that you had said that you felt like this team maybe more than any Packer team since 2 needed a first-round bye badly. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I agree with that in terms of, you know, the injuries. I'd like to get guys another week off and get healthy. But I almost feel the complete opposite. I almost feel like this team needs a first-round win to do anything in the playoffs. I feel like this team, with the way that they're playing and, you know, they're kind of banged up and everything, but I feel if this team comes in cold and invites San Francisco or whoever it might be into Lambeau in the divisional round after having a week off, I, I almost feel like they wouldn't have a chance. And, and I feel like they almost need a win against Minnesota this week against a team they should be able to beat again mm-hmm. um, to kind of get some momentum going. And I feel like that might be the only chance they have of getting anything going is okay. if they can maybe get some momentum going and, and just get a win under their belt in the postseason here rather than, you know, having a hot team coming into Lambeau and um, having to try to deal with that. So I, I, I obviously wanted them to win the game on Sunday, but I kind of feel me just being the optimistic fan that this might even be a better road for them. Obviously, if they lose on, on Saturday, that's all for naught. And, but I, I almost feel like this maybe even gives them a better <laughs> chance to actually win a championship. I don't know if that seems kind of backwards, but I, I, I really feel like they need a first-round win in order to have any chance. Well, and, and obviously last year points to maybe your theory a little bit as how rusty they were. I, I have to disagree, though. I just think the main reason, and I said that, too, is that I thought that if the Packers I, – I, I texted you on Saturday to you that if they lose tomorrow, they're not winning the Super Bowl. They have no chance. And obviously I hope that's not true, but that's my honest opinion, is that I don't think they have a chance to win the Super Bowl if they didn't get that bye, and they didn't. I heard people talking about things like, you know, oh, now the Vikings are coming to our house, and we'll show them who's boss, and things like fans and that. And I was just disheartened because, you know, who cares if we beat the Vikings? We're so beyond caring about winning a first-round playoff game against a division rival in Green Bay. If you're not winning the Super Bowl, it's hard for me to get too excited about it. I mean, obviously, I'll enjoy the games, and I'll be happy they beat the Vikings if they do. But 
it's hard for me to not just th- think that this is over for this team. But getting back to what we were talking about, this team, the reason that I think they needed this buy, not only it's because of the health, I think it's because this team is not good enough to win four times. To me, it was the rest was important, but having to win three games instead of four was much more important to me for this team. And people talk about 2010, and they did it in 2010. Well, 2010, we, I've said it m- multiple times on this show, that 2010 is the anomaly. Wedged around 2010 is two one-and-dones with, with teams that were much better than this team offensively and at times were better defensively, especially in 2009. And I just think, I was looking over the numbers, in 2010, and this is the reason this team is not going to win like 2010, and if they do, they'll have to change every single thing about this team that they've been in 2012. In 2010, they were a fast-starting team. The halftime scores for their four playoff games in 2010, 14-3 over Philadelphia, 28-14 over Atlanta, 14-0 over Chicago, 21-10 over Pittsburgh. They were only trailing at halftime three times in 2010, and never by more than seven. This year they've trailed at halftime seven times, including by two scores or more three times. And they've trailed at halftime in all four games against NFC playoff qualifiers by at least seven points. And that's uh, Seattle, both games against Minnesota, and San Francisco. And they've lost three of those four games. And teams, and here's the, the last stat I got for you, teams that trail at halftime this season on the road against a winning team are 4-64. and 64. This season. Thanks. I don't, unless this team completely changes every single thing about them and becomes a fast starting team, they're finished because you're not winning road games down 14 to 7 at halftime. We saw it this week. The reason they won so many road games in 2010 is because they had the game in their, in their back pocket at halftime and just had to hold on to it. Mm-hmm. And so I think that this team just isn't good enough and they needed the buy because they needed to only have to win three times instead of four. I think they can beat any one of these teams that's in the NFC playoff field. I don't think they can beat three in a row. That's the problem. They could they could have beat two, snuck by San Francisco, and then maybe beat Atlanta or got a chance to play a home game. They're not winning four times. I, I, I don't see how that can happen unless this team completely remakes their identity in the playoffs. And I, I guess... <laughs> It, it's that, that's I guess that's just my opinion about it, but I, I feel like the the numbers do not look good for this team. Yeah, and I can't disagree, and I don't think this team is as good as any of the ones they've had in the last few years. But you got to have that old cliche mindset, that one game at a time. Mm-hmm. We don't have to think that we have to go in and win four games in a row, even though obviously that's what you have to do. But I mean, we go in, win a game at home against Minnesota, which we should win, mm-hmm. and then you have to beat a couple teams, maybe San Francisco or Atlanta or something that you know teams that we can beat. In a, in a, in a one-game playoff, I mean, I yeah. think that obviously benefits us. I, I definitely don't think we're one of the top five best teams in the NFL, but, um, and I think what what you said about the the fast starting is you're right. I don't know if that's something you can just turn on, but I feel like they've been so conservative in the beginning of games that I'm I'm kind of hoping they come out firing mm-hmm. uh, in the playoffs. And I don't know if McCarthy's been saving that. He's he's kept stuff like that in his back pocket for for the bigger playoff games. I'm I'm kind of hoping so, but I. <laughs> That'd be a risky strategy, but yeah, but you know it's kind of worked for New York in the in the years past. Here, I mean, they look kind of timid and laid back all regular season, and then all of a sudden explode in the postseason. And it just seems like a lot of coaches kind of do that. They hold on to things, and I, 
I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't even know if that's a possibility, but I, I guess yeah. me just being optimistic, I'm hoping that they'll come out and they'll come out slinging because it seems like when we want to score or we have to score, we do. Mm-hmm. But it just seems like in beginnings of games and when we're not, we don't have our backs against the ropes, we're just kind of sitting on the ball and dinking and dunking and punting every single time. Mm-hmm. Well, I tell you, they're going to have plenty of opportunities to have their backs up against the ropes and try to come out of it in the playoffs, I would mm-hmm. imagine. So yeah. hopefully they have that mentality right from the get-go. Because you're right, it does seem like it takes a while for them to get warmed up, but you're not going to be able to run down these teams. It's okay if you're trailing the lines at halftime twice this year. You can yeah. run them down. You might even be able to run down Minnesota. You're not going to run down the Niners. They tried it in week one, and it failed miserably. You're not going to run down. I don't even think you're going to run down the Atlanta Falcons. I don't think, the more I think about it, they could beat Atlanta. They probably should beat Atlanta. But even that matchup is a lot scarier than I thought just because, you know, I mean, it's still tough to do it. Can they do it twice when every single thing about this Atlanta Falcon team is built as a reaction to what happened to them in 2010 to the Packers? (laughs) I mean... (laughs) We'll see. I mean, it's a tough road, but that extra game is, that really scares me for this team. And I, I am a little irritated when I hear the 2010 stuff, uh, just because, not that, you, you should be an optimistic fan. Everybody doesn't have to be an old curmudgeon like me who just is always trying to be too realist with everything and never has any hope about any of the things. But, I mean, they've played a lot of times in the wild card round, and how many times have they gotten to the, even the NFC Championship game? Uh, like twice? <laughs> in the number of times they've done it uh, in our time watching football. Yeah, so. I mean you can't rule. I mean you can't go in and saying like I said I don't think they're a top five team right now, but mm-hmm. you also can't say they don't have a chance. Yeah. I mean no team going into the playoffs thinks you know really realistically these days that oh yeah we should win this easily. Maybe you know an undefeated mm-hmm. Patriots team or or something like that from when they lost to the Giants the first time. But really, there hasn't been a clear-cut team that says, oh, yeah, this is ours to win. You know, lately it's just been kind of, you know, somebody just gets kind of hot and wins it. So I don't think the fact that we aren't the best team completely writes us off. Do I think we have a great odds to win it? No. But I still think we have a chance, and you can't rule out the team yeah. until they're actually eliminated. Oh yeah, and, and I'm not. I I agree with you there. I just am saying from a from a functional standpoint, I have no faith that this team's going to win the Super Bowl. Obviously, they, as long as they're in it, they have a chance to win it. Um, they've done it before, but uh, I just I would be surprised. I would be very very surprised. This team would be. Uh, it wouldn't be the 2011 Giants, but it would be the probably somewhere close to the. Right. The uh, 2007 Giants, if they were to win it this year, it would come completely out of left field at this point, I think. Uh, yeah, but I guess what I'm saying is nobody has the right to feel that they you know, deserve a Super Bowl right now. I mean, look at it. New England's yeah. lost a whole bunch lately. Mm-hmm. No other team in the playoffs has proven at all the Giants got knocked out. So there's nobody, you know, us along with everybody else, nobody has the right to feel that they deserve a Super Bowl right now. I mean, yeah. Atlanta, look at them. There's nobody in the postseason that should feel right now confident that they're going to win a Super Bowl, and somebody has to. So <laughs> That's unfortunate. They, can they just table it till next year? <laughs> Wait till there's a more dominant team. Yeah, I, I mean, Seattle and Denver probably look like the best two teams down the stretch here. but Denver hasn't played anybody for three anything. months. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, uh, you know, I, somebody's got to win it. So I, I feel confident just because nobody else does either, I guess, and... We've got just as good of a chance as anybody. <laughs> well, I guess that's one way to look at it. Yeah. <laughs> we, we have a shot because everybody else stinks. Yep. Okay, well, I hope you're right. I hope I'm wrong. So 
we'll have to go forward with that. There were some other things that happened this Sunday that maybe we can talk about. Um, obviously, the the well, let's just talk about the other three playoff games and maybe our quick reactions to them. Sure. Um, a rematch of that thrilling Bengals Texans playoff game from last year. Uh, glad to see that one again. And also, we're going to have the Colts at Baltimore, which should be interesting. And then the game that I was hoping for for about the last three weeks that would happen is. Washington hosting the Seattle Seahawks. So that should be interesting with two rookie quarterbacks going at it. The Washington Redskins' last three playoff games have all been against Seattle, uh, which is kind of weird. Divisional round 05, wild card round 07, and then now uh, this game in 2012. So (laughs) that's kind of interesting. Uh, So which of those games, I guess, what are your quick reactions to those games, and are you looking forward to anyone in particular? Well, like you said, that Seattle-Washington game should be amazing. I'm really looking forward to that, and I hope... Even last week, I, I don't think Griffin looked super healthy, and I'm kind of hoping he's getting better and better. It probably will make it a little better game, but it's hard to see anybody beating Seattle right now. I mean, mm-hmm. they're just absolutely on fire. Um, but it should be a good game, and yeah, not really looking forward to Cincinnati-Houston, but you know, maybe it'll be close. And I think Indianapolis-Baltimore will be a really good game too. Mm-hmm. I actually think Indianapolis will pull that one out. Yeah. Um, I, so I mean, I think they should all be close games. At least it should be a pretty entertaining first week. I'm hoping. It kind of looks like on paper, like ours might be the biggest mismatch of all of them. So hopefully yeah. we can, but you never know. So hopefully we can win by a couple double digits and just enjoy the rest of the games on Sunday and the first one on Saturday. Yeah, that's always the best part. I like when the Packers can just. I like it when they're either the last game or the first game. Yep. <laughs> so if they're the last game, you can get it out of the, uh, or you can at least enjoy the other three, or at least the Saturday ones. But um, yeah, we'll see. I think I think you're right about the Colts. Uh, I. Baltimore is in trouble, I think. They haven't played very well lately. And, of course, the way that the NFL is going, they'll probably win the Super Bowl. But (laughs) we'll see. Um, And I think Cincinnati and Houston, I think, is a big mismatch. I I don't think Houston, I think they're kind of a dead team walking right now, as everybody does. Uh, They just can't seem to compete with anybody who's halfway decent. Uh, They've been dominated by the playoff opponents that they've taken on other than Baltimore. But I don't think Cincinnati's the team that's going to be able to, to knock them out this week. And then they're probably in for a world of hurt in New England <laughs> the following yeah. week. Uh, and then, yeah, that Washington-Seattle game is going to be really interesting. Seattle is probably the sexy pick amongst a lot of the people right now, just on a red-hot roll. They pulverized San Francisco a couple of weeks ago. They've been scoring, you know, 40-something points a game uh, other than last week, which apparently the Rams are... A better defense than I thought, but right. uh, yeah, that should be interesting. I hope RG3 is healthy because him and Russ, uh, Russell Wilson would be a heck of a matchup to see, and it'd be a fun to have a, a shootout for the capper to wildcard weekend. Yeah, and those might arguably be the best two teams in the in the first round of the playoffs right now. I mean, us excluded, of course. I'll say we're you know yeah, they were too, better but, than Washington for sure. But they're a pretty darn good team too. I mean, you look what they pretty much completely shut down a, a good Dallas offense and mm-hmm. um, moved the ball pretty well on their, their defense. I mean, Dallas is a good team that didn't make the playoffs, and they've been they've obviously won what seven straight now, I think, mm-hmm. or six straight. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I think they're a pretty well-rounded team, and I think that if anybody's going to go and uh, beat Seattle, they're lucky that they get it at home. Uh, so I think they actually have a pretty good shot there too. Yeah, they beat Dallas. The Dallas is so talented. Did you know how talented <laughs> Dallas is? They're just an incredibly talented team. Uh, yeah, I, I don't agree with all the talent. I think people are finally starting to realize maybe they're not, but yeah. they're, they're still a decent team. I think that was a pretty impressive win when everything was on the line for a young team to do that. So, yeah. um, you know, I like I like Washington's chances there. I think Seattle probably pull it out, but I, I think it should be a really, really good game. 
Yeah, I agree. That should be that's the one I'm looking forward to other than the Packer game obviously. That should be real fun. Um speaking of Dallas, it looks like uh is Jason Garrett any word on him? He's keeping his job? Yeah, I haven't heard anything on him yet and I think since Sean Payton signed that extension with New Orleans, I don't think they'll let him go because who else are you really going to get bringing like Lovey Smith or something like that? And yeah. I don't think that's much of an upgrade, so I would imagine that he stays put uh, at least for next year. Yeah, I, that, that you're almost kind of stuck there and they got money in him and you know, he hasn't done horribly, but he hasn't done great either. So I guess maybe just keep going in that direction for one more year. And especially with like, Romo's getting kind of old, maybe give him one more chance. And then if it doesn't work out again, you lose on Sunday Night Football in Week 17, lose the NFC East for like the 10th straight year, then maybe you start over. Lots of firings, I guess. We'll talk about the coaches here. Lots of firings, coaches and GM yesterday. We don't need to go around all of them. Some of them were pretty obvious that they were going to happen. I guess, uh, what are some of the big surprise ones to you, but also what are you looking at as far as the, the head coaching candidates that are being kicked around and, and some of the places that you think these people could end up in? Sure. Uh, yeah, I don't, like you said, I don't think any, uh, that many of the coaching firings were, were a big surprise. Two that stuck out to me, obviously, were Lovey Smith going 10-6, and six and mm-hmm. Uh, they've been pretty consistently good, and he's taken them to a Super Bowl. That that offense has been pretty bad with the talent they had this year, but, I mean, that offensive line is just atrocious. I can't really say that that's his fault. But, um, you know, that was a surprise to me. And also, I think the Wizenhunt firing was a little bit of a surprise to me as well. Yeah. yeah this, this team was bad for 50 years, and he <laughs> got he got in there, got him to a Super Bowl. It seemed like everybody really liked him. They, you know, they started well this year and then really, really struggled, but... Look at that team. <laughs> they don't have anything. Yeah. I mean, Fitzgerald is maybe their only good player, and uh, he, he's pretty much ineffective when you don't have a quarterback. I think that's more of a general manager issue than it is a head coach issue. You almost yeah, want to so. shake the owner, um, I think it's Bidwell, and say, you're Arizona, dude. I mean, yeah, I <laughs> this guy took you to a Super Bowl. Yeah. Well, is, yeah, is Kurt so Warner I, definitively the greatest player of all time now, having taken the Rams and the Cardinals <laughs> to the Super Bowl? Yeah, two teams that have done absolutely nothing in their entire histories, basically. Who <laughs> was there? Yeah, he might be. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think that's a big GM issue there, and I think that's why I agreed with what the Jets did, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, Rex Ryan got them to two AFC championships with not a lot of talent, and this year they had absolutely no talent, basically. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, I think that a, a lot of times the coaches get the blame, but I think uh, in a lot of situations this year, at least we saw a lot of GM firings that I think were pretty justified. Yeah, I agree, and and the Rex one, I think he deserved to keep his job. I know people yeah. wanted to get rid of him. He's in New York, so I think people are skewed, but that's another thing. I want to say to the, the fans and the media, you're the Jets. Rex Ryan took you to two AFC title games. You went to two between Super Bowl three and Rex Ryan getting there. Yeah. You're the Jets. What do you expect? I mean, you should be thrilled that this guy has them in playoff contention basically every year. Um, let him... You know, it might get annoying at times, but you're the Jets. You're not. You're not just waiting, trying to find the right piece to put it back together. <laughs> You've never had it together. Right. Yeah, and I, the Lovey Smith one was interesting to me, and I thought he he did well. And part of me wishes we would have beat the Vikings to keep Lovey around <laughs> because he probably wouldn't <laughs> have gotten fired. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that one kind of he he's done a great job there. And that's again, I think the Bears are just thinking of the monsters of the midway, and they're thinking of uh, Sid Luckman and George Hallis, and they forget that they've have won championship since Kennedy, <laughs> you know, so it's it's kind of, I think they are a little bit, they think that the Bears should be at a better place than they really have been historically the last Super Bowl era, basically. Yep. But the thing with that one is, 
I think I'm okay with them firing Lovey for the fact that he he can't beat Aaron Rodgers. And if you can't beat a team in your own division, getting to the playoffs is so much harder than it is for anybody else in the league if you're getting yep. thoroughly dominated by one team every single year in your division. Uh, it, it, it makes it incredibly hard to actually put a run together. And then once you actually do uh, eclipse that team to get to the playoffs in 2010, they come to your building and beat you to go to the Super <laughs> yeah. Bowl. So I think if he didn't have the pitiful record against Aaron Rodgers, uh, I think he would have stayed. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of hard to imagine getting to a Super Bowl if you can't beat Green Bay because mm-hmm. almost in every scenario, you're going to have to come through Green Bay or play the Packers either in the playoffs or in a meaningful regular season game. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, it's kind of hard to see them a scenario where they can make it without really having to to come across to us in the playoffs or anything. So mm-hmm. uh, I agree with that. I think they need to uh, – that was his big goal coming in. That's what he said. And if you're going <laughs> to say that, you better do it, not lose six in a row. Yeah. Yeah, and I guess uh, the other one, what are your thoughts, I guess, on the Andy Reid firing? We haven't really talked about it. I know he had a pitiful season. Um, do you think it was maybe right at the right time, should have gotten more time, should have been done sooner, and do you think uh, he'll land on his feet in the NFL as a head coach soon? Yeah, I think this was perfect time. I think they had to let him go. I mean, obviously that team was a mess, and mm-hmm. everybody I heard on the pregame show saying that they thought Philadelphia was going to win on Sunday, and one last one for the coach and they just got absolutely hammered <laughs> and it didn't seem like any of the players really cared too much and I think that it was a I don't I think he should have been able to allow to finish out the season like he did but he had to go there was absolutely no way they could bring him back yeah so you know maybe they'll kind of clean house a little bit in other ways too Vic will be gone I'm sure so uh I think perfect timing there I I'm sure he'll catch on right away I'm sure him and maybe even Lovey and Wisenhunt will probably all just kind of change places but mm-hmm. um other than that, I haven't heard too many other names thrown around. I've heard Bruce Arians is, is a pretty popular candidate, obviously, with what he did in Indianapolis. But mm-hmm. I guess I don't know too many of the other hot names around the league right now. The one that I have my eye on is Chip Kelly from Oregon. Because yeah. if he comes to the NFL and makes his offense work, not like the Patriots do it, but his Oregon offense work in the NFL like it does when he's running it now, it's going to completely change the entire league. Oh, yeah. And guys like Dom Capers and Dick LeBeau are going to be run out of the league if Chip Kelly's new if Chip Kelly brings the Oregon spread offense to the NFL. There's going to be a lot of of these old guard coordinators that have been around forever. Even on the offensive side, like guys like Kevin Gilbride, you wonder how long these guys are going to be around if not only with Josh McDaniel's offense that he installed in, in New England, and then, uh, you know, it was okay in Denver for a couple of weeks, but you got to think he's going to get another chance soon. His offense is working, and if Chip Kelly can make it work like Oregon does it, that's going to fundamentally change everything about the way this game is played in five to ten years. Yeah, it's kind of a scary thought. I mean, it could really change everything and the type of players that the NFL is, is looking for then. They're going to be looking for more of those small, fast guys. And, mm-hmm. and Oregon's done it without a passing quarterback, too. That might be perfect for um, <laughs> a guy like Tim Tebow or like Pat Smith when he came out or somebody yeah. like that. Pat White. Pat White, sorry, yeah, Pat White. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it could completely change everything if, if he gets that to be successful. I, I, I am kind of curious to see about that, because I've heard his name too, but I don't know how willing he is to leave Oregon. It seems like he's got a pretty good situation there, but um, I'm sure he'll be pretty highly touted by a lot of teams that, it, if anything, want to bring some excitement to their teams. Maybe a team like Jacksonville or, or mm-hmm. Cleveland needs something like that. 
Yeah, and I think with these college coaches, I think they're going to be listening a little bit more this year because of big jobs like the Eagles and the Bears yeah. are open. It's and not even like San Diego. Yeah. yeah, even San Diego. Exactly. You're not coming in to coach the Browns or the Chiefs. Um, like those are the jobs that are typically open every year. Right. Um, you you got a chance to play in organizations that have shown in the past and the recent past that they're committed to winning. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Part of me, I'm going to say this, it sounds kind of bitter or whatever, I, I'm i kind of rooting against Chip Kelly if he comes to the NFL. Um, it's I don't, I don't mind the Oregon offense, but I kind of like the pro-style offense, even the way New England does it is okay. Um, I don't know if I want to see it kind of be that much like the college game. Because uh, I I don't know I, I I don't I like the pinball games where it's 45 to 38 or you know when you see the Geno Smith versus uh, I think it was Baylor this year with the West yep. Virginia game 70 to 63 I like seeing those sometimes but they happen with such regularity in college football that it almost diminishes everything um, when you actually do see one of those so I don't know if it'll ever get to that point in the NFL but part of me is is a little bit concerned uh, what a successful Chip Kelly means to the league yeah it it would be, definitely be scary and I think that. I don't think there's any way he can run it quite like he does at Oregon. I, I kind of almost have the feeling like what the Patriots are doing is about is to the extent it might work. Maybe you put a mobile quarterback in there instead, and it's a little more effective that way. But mm-hmm. just the defensive players have so much more speed, and you're not going against you know six, seven guys on defense that aren't even going to be in the NFL someday. Yeah. So, and, you know, I I think it could work, but you know, I, I guess we'll have to wait and see. I mm-hmm. I agree with you. I don't really like those kind of games all the time. They're fun to see occasionally, but. I like the NFL's offense the way it is now, and um, hopefully that won't change if Chip Kelly comes to the NFL. I agree. I don't want to see that spread throughout the entire league. Yeah. So we will see. So some interesting things happening in the NFL, and most interesting is it is playoff time. Wild card weekend, uh, always probably my favorite round of the year, other than maybe the conference championships, uh, just because it's it's the start. You tend to get good, even matchups. Uh, you're not like the divisional round where it's changed a bit in recent years, but the divisional round for years was nothing but how many points is Dallas going to win by is basically, yeah. you know, and, and so uh, very excited that the playoffs are finally here. I wish the Packers didn't play this week, but they do. And I guess before we leave today, Matt, uh, what is your prediction for Saturday night's football game, Minnesota at Green Bay? All right. Well, I think it's going to be a little bit more low scoring. Uh, because I don't think that they'll allow Ponder to throw three touchdowns again. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see here. I think I'm going to predict 28-17 Packers, and I think that I think that they'll actually have a bigger lead going into this. And I think that maybe Minnesota gets a garbage touchdown, and uh, I'm I'm hoping we kind of have control of the game throughout. So I, mm-hmm. I'm going to say 28-17, but a, a convincing 28-17. Okay. A caveat there. Um, yeah, I think I agree with you. It's going to be. Especially the way the Packers lost, I think that they're. I'm not too worried about this game. I know I, I've said that. I said that about the Giants last year, and I've said that about other things. But um, I don't. I'm not too worried about this team losing this game. Uh, I, I would say the Packers will score. I'll say 31-20, but kind of the same as you, where it's probably not quite that close. Um, Vikings will get some points. They they have. You know, you're not going to keep Adrian Peterson all day uh, right. wrapped up. So. That's probably why they call him that, or he calls himself that. <laughs> Get it now. <laughs> All right. Thank you for joining us this week. I hope everybody has a happy 2013. Uh, thanks for, for joining us for this kind of disorganized podcast on uh, New Year's Day. We're getting ready to watch the Rose Bowl. This probably won't get up before the Rose Bowl, but real quick, Matt, do you have a pick for that? 
Oh, that's tough. I, I, I don't expect them to win it all, but you know maybe the Barry Alvarez factor helps them out a little bit. Mm-hmm. I will say that they are going to go down again, though. Um, 27-20. I'm gonna say Stanford wins it. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking too. I was thinking more of a a 24-17 kind of game where yeah. it'll be close, but uh, I don't think the Badgers have the horses this year to to win the Rose Bowl. No. So we'll see. Hopefully we're wrong, but we'll. Uh, Hopefully everybody enjoyed the Rose Bowl, since you're probably listening to this after that. And uh, once again, have a happy new year, and have a happy wild card round of the playoffs. We'll see you next week. Take care, everybody.